0: It's mine my-
1: boys and girls up here. All shapes and sizes. I just think you look wonderful today. Did you have a good week? I have a question. Hello, Miss Simmons. Would you like to sit right here? Yes. All right. She's going to be Betsy's helper today. All right. I have a question for you. Who likes balloons? Me. Everybody loves a balloon. Even adults love balloons. I mean, We go and buy balloons for parties, birthday celebrations. And if you really want to see kids happy, give a child, give a small child, give Emma a balloon and just let her bounce it all over the room. I know Wade loves it. He will chase a balloon and be happy as a lark, and then all of a sudden something will go wrong, and guess what? Pop! The balloon is gone So, balloons can bring happiness and joy, and they can sometimes bring sadness when one pops, when we aren't quite ready or done with it and playing with it. Okay? Balloons are a lot like us. You ever thought about it? Balloons are a lot like us. Sometimes we can be like a balloon. We get all puffed up and think that we're better than anyone else. All right? Alright, we get all puffed up when you start thinking we're better than anyone else. Maybe you guys that are playing sports, maybe you, you think you're the best one in playing sports. No one can touch or do a ball better than you can. What about if you think you are the prettiest one? And no one is better looking than you are. Maybe you think you're better than anyone else. Maybe you are the best at singing or playing or doing all these fun things. Maybe just all around, you just think you're better than everyone else. And then along comes a day when we realize that we aren't quite the best of the best. And something comes along and happens. And our balloon gets popped. God had a way of showing us, showing us how we aren't maybe the best. Jesus warned that if we get all puffed up in our own importance, that something would happen. We shouldn't think ourselves better than anyone else. We should, we should do God with through God's strength. Through God's strength. Through God's strength, we can do anything. Does God want us to be humble and sweet and kind and loving? Yes. Before you do or think anything better about yourself, always remember, ask yourself one thing. What would Jesus say? What would Jesus think? What would Jesus do? Did Jesus put himself on the pedestal as being better than anyone else? Nope. He was humble. He was grateful and he was thankful for what he had. So the next time you see a balloon, don't get yourselves. Think about yourself. Are you puffed up and thinking that you're better than anyone else? No. We're all the same. God made us all the same. Yes, some of you might be better ball players. But that if you're better a better ball player than someone else, then guess what you can do? You can take someone else who's not as good as you are and show them how to be better than they are today. Maybe if you've got, maybe if your clothes are better and and prettier than others, maybe if you have some extra bows or something, you can share with someone else that doesn't have quite as many as you do. Share. Always learn to do it in a kind and loving way. Okay? Don't be puffed up. Because if you are, I promise you, your balloon, your bubble will get popped. Okay? That's true as adults. That's true as adults. All right. Let's say a prayer. Our Heavenly Father, dear Lord, please, please, please help us to always be humble. Help us to do things the way Jesus would do them. God bless each one that's here, dear Lord. Some are starting school tomorrow, dear Lord. I ask that it be the best school year ever. God bless them and watch over them in every way. Those that are already in school, dear Lord, please, I ask you to continue to watch over and help them. God bless the sick. God bless those that are not here. And dear Lord, I ask you to bring us all safely back next Sunday. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.
2: I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. I want you to understand that we're still in Colossians 1, and I'm going to read those same verses that we've been dealing with. Um, well, the, the last one that we've been dealing with, and I'm going to make a few comments, and then I'm going to jump into Matthew chapter 7 to help us understand what is the word we're talking about in, in the, in, at first in Colossians chapter 1 this morning. Colossians one twenty three says, If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard. Now understand that as a part of the hope of the gospel in the inheritance that ours, we discovered that God wants to present to himself Believers, a church that are holy, blameless, and above reproach. That's what we learned in verse 22. And then you have this big conditional statement. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded, and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Last week, we looked at the words the faith, and we discovered that Christianity is not a subjective faith. There are definite subjective elements, but it is an objective faith. Jesus is the object of our faith, and our faith, the value or the worth of it, is not based on how much subjective faith we have, but it's based on the truth. And the reality of the fact that there is a God who loves us, who sent His Son to die for us, so that we can be reconciled to Him. And so, when I feel like when Paul says that you need to be uh, continue in the faith, he's referring to the faith once delivered to all the saints. He's referring to the very fact. There's a God who loves you, who has promised a Messiah in light of your sin and was faithful to bring that Messiah and that Messiah died for your sin, rose again in victory, and and because of that, you are offered reconciliation to this God. All right? That is the faith. And so Paul is saying, this idea of holiness, and blamelessness and being without reproach, it's tied to you continuing in that faith. All right? But the next word he uses is grounded. So he, he says, if, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded. Okay? So what is he getting out there? And I'm going to give you a little definition, and then we're going to try to explain it using in Matthew chapter 7. Okay? The Greek word, this is what one I told you last week was fun to say. It's tethomeliominoi. Tethomeliominoi. Okay? And it's to, uh, to provide a firm basis for belief or practice. To provide a basis for, to provide a foundation for. Y'all catch that? When we're building a house, Okay? If we do not get the foundation right before we begin to build the rest of the house, what's going to happen? Yeah, and if it doesn't collapse, it's going to at least, you know, get cracks in the wall, right? And see, what happens when somebody is not able to continue in the faith? Maybe it's because their foundation wasn't what it should have been. And I'm going to show you a little something this morning because this same Greek word is used in Matthew chapter 7. So let's look at that. Let me get turned there. Matthew 7. <clears throat> Excuse me. Look at verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Did y'all catch that? That's kind of what we've been talking about. So many of us would say, Oh, yeah, I love Jesus. Yeah, I went, I, I, you know, I gave my life to Jesus. I I prayed a sinner's prayer, right? And Jesus is actually one talking here. And he says, some of you will say, yeah, Jesus is my Lord. And he says, and, 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 and I'll look at your life and I'll see that you are not submitting and surrendering to my will over your life. Your life doesn't reflect the fact that I'm your Lord. You're still your Lord by the way that you are living. And he says, don't think that you're going to enter into heaven because the one who actually does my will is actually the one who's surrendered and submitted to me. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me you who practice lawlessness. Lawlessness is the exact opposite of righteousness, holiness, and blamelessness, right? So I want you to understand that even in Jesus' economy, that there is this idea that faith must produce action. And listen to what he says. Verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, there it is again, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. So I got I to ask you something. What kind of a foundation is the house going to have that's built on the rock? Solid, right? It's going nowhere. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was, and here's the Greek word, founded on the Rock. So, guys, I, I want us to understand that that a lot of times, you know, the, the choir sung the, the 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 second song that had to do with the storms of life coming. I can't remember the words. Do what? Till the storm passes over. But a lot of when somebody falls away is because the rains come and the floods come. And the wind of life blows so heavy against you that you can no longer stand. And the thought of waiting until the storm passes over is gone. And you fall away, right? Because Jesus never, ever promised that it was going to be easy. As a matter of fact, He said the exact opposite, right? And so when we think about being grounded, we need to think about two things. One is we found ourselves on the rock, our foundation needs to be rock solid. And then. I want us to understand something else. Jesus says, for those of you who hear these words of mine and do them, those of you are the ones who actually have that rock-solid foundation. Right? Okay? So, what happens is we begin by faith, right? And, and let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. The message of the faith points to who? Jesus. I, I heard it. Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. Okay. So the gospel, the message of the faith has one central component, and that is Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, the Messiah dying in your place. And so what I want us to get at even even more so than an understanding of the concepts or the truths of the faith. I want us to get at the person, the, the, the personality of God himself behind the truths of the faith. Right? And so when we begin to say, you know what? Salvation is not based so much on my agreeing to these certain set of truths. It is. D- don't get me wrong. It is most definitely based on truths about Jesus Christ. But even more so than that, it is a simple trust in the one behind every one of those truths and every one of those promises. Are y'all with me? And so it's not so much a trust in a promise, it's a trust in a person who's going to keep that promise. Are y'all, y'all, y'all are hanging with me, right? Okay, so what happens at salvation is you say, I agree that there is a problem between God and I. He has revealed to me that I am alienated from Him and I've been living like I have been alienated from Him. Sin is my problem. And I also have come to find out that He wanted to Fix that problem. And so he promised a Messiah and he was faithful to send that Messiah. And so I am going to trust in him as the faithful God to make good on that promise. And so I will be right with him. Okay. So we begin that way. And then he also says. Here are certain truths about what it means to walk according to who I am. Miss Betsy sung a song about I want to live for Jesus, right? This God who has just done so much for me. I want to live for him. And he says, okay, here's my standard. Right? The more we respond in obedience to him as a person and walk that faith walk, the more solid we become In our foundation. Does that make sense? And here's why. Because what happens is. What happens is we get to know him. Even more. And we figure out his trustworthiness. Even more. We figure out our unworthiness even more and then we say i need you even more so what are we really what are we really telling ourselves over and over and over again we don't measure up we, we, don't measure up, we need jesus which is the gospel right are, are y'all with me i don't measure up i need jesus I don't measure up. I need Jesus. So let me ask you something. If you keep experiencing the gospel over and over and over and over and over and over again in your life, how grounded are you gonna be? Very much rock solid. Are y'all with me? And it's 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 because it's because you were made right and able to be right with God, reconciled to Him, so now you're able to have that love relationship with Him and He's able to work in your life. And so what you're doing is you're going to Him and going to Him. He's the trustworthy one. You keep coming to Him and keep coming to Him and keep coming to Him and the gospel gets played out in your life over and over again and the next thing you know, you realize, man, my, my foundation... Is, is way deeper and way stronger than what it was five years ago. And Jesus says, when you lock into me, that's going to be the result. And guys, it's all about a relationship. That's what it is. John 17, 3, and I've said it in here before is proof of that so grounded your foundation in the gospel which has as its centrality the person of Jesus as God himself is what you're grounded in and you become rock solid okay um the next word in Colossians 1 is steadfast. Okay? Now, I also make a quick comment about that word grounded. It is pa- it is in the passive voice in the Greek, which means which means we don't ground ourselves. You know, we trust Jesus, and he does the grounding. Right? This next word is, is, is not a verb. It's, it's an adjective. Um, and st- the word behind steadfast, it's pertaining to being firmly established in one's op- position or opinions. Firm. Steadfast and unwavering. Okay, so not only are you grounded, you're locked in to the, the, to the, the very thing that's going to hold you solid. But now you're standing on that. You're steadfast. Okay, so your foundation is solid and it's giving you a firm footing. Now, stand on the firm footing stay there be unwavering stand on the foundation don't move from it right okay now the third word the third phrase i guess i should say is another passive verb in the greek and it's not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Now, now watch. If I if I've got a firm foundation, right, and I've got firm footing, okay. <clears throat> Jesus said, if I've built on the rock, which was his words coming from his mouth, in and trusting his words, doing what he tells me to do. In other words, building this relationship with him, then I am going to be rock solid. And and when the winds of the prevailing philosophical beliefs of our time come rolling my way are they gonna knock me off no when when there is a major failing of a huge religious person and all the news media just picks up on all the hype and ha, 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 he failed. Is that going to knock me off my rocker? No, because my faith is not based on whether this person's following the Lord or not. It's not based on him as my Messiah. It's based on simply the fact that Jesus is my Messiah and nothing ever knocked him for loops. Right? Right? But, guys, I know that we are all human, struggling a lot of times. And there are moments when a certain truth or a certain idea, probably not, is not truth, or it may have a little bit of truth mixed in with it comes through some of our friends or through some television show or some person that we really trust and we're ending up whoa whoa right when it comes to our faith I know that that happened to me a lot of times in in high school um, with with textbooks and things like that and, and professors and and even in Bible college I had to read this book by the, um, Bart Ehrman. He's a professor at, at UNC Chapel Hill. And he is now probably the most... He, I, he's in the religion department, especially teaches New Testament, but he is probably the foremost scholar that tries to prove like, that Jesus is not who he says he was and he, there's those, such things as miracles and things like that. And I had to... Um, read a book, like refuting that or whatever. And all of those thoughts are coming at me as I'm in Bible college. And I'm, you know, right? God, is, is, is my faith really solid? Where do I really stand? And, and, and you'll find out that the Colossians, okay? The Colossians here are actually fighting a heresy within the church. And that's part of the reason why Paul is, is telling them all this. He said, guys, look. The storms are coming. You've already experienced some of them. And they are threatening your very foundation and steadfastness as a believer. And you've got a lot of heresies coming down the pike or even things that are maybe not quite heresies, but they're real close and they're threatening your existence as a believer where are you gonna end up not moved away from the hope of the gospel listen to the definition of not moved away from to cause a state to cease with the implication of force to be shaken from. Um, So imagine if Kenny were to walk up here and just push me off of my spot, right? To be shaken from to be pushed from where you were standing but notice what it says okay I, y'all follow my thoughts on this please because this this, like I told y'all before this is hard this is so hard for me to try to wed reconciliation with God based on the shed blood of Jesus with the fact that we should be listening and obeying him to show our rock solidness right And Paul is saying, look, this idea of holiness and blamelessness and um, without uh, being accused comes if you are firmly grounded, steadfast, and not shaken from where you are from the faith or the hope of the gospel, right? Now, I want you to understand what's being said here because this is crucial to all of Paul's explanation of the gospel no matter what letter it is. And it's very crucial as we get into chapter 2, it's going to come up in plain sight in Colossians. All right? Notice he doesn't say this holiness, this blamelessness, and this without accusation is yours if you can, you know... Make sure you pray at least three days a week. Make sure that you are not watching pornography at least four days a week. Right? Make sure that you're not um, watching this horrible TV show at least three days a week. And Make sure you're not yelling at your kids at least, y'all get what I'm saying? He didn't say that, did he? No. What he said was <laughs> if you are continuing in this faith in a relationship with Jesus, right? if you are grounded in that gospel concerning Jesus, and if you're steadfast and not moved away from that gospel, y'all hear what I'm saying? So so the idea is where we were at at the beginning. Like, Jesus... (laughs) the very center of what the Christian faith is all about. The object of our faith becomes the very attention of our hearts. He's our focus. He's our love. And we keep coming to Him We realize this is what he requires of us. We realize we can't do it. And he says, trust in me. We realize this is what he requires of us over here. We say, Jesus, I've tried and I can't do it. He says, great, let me. Trust me. Keep realizing you can't do it. That's why Matthew 5, hunger and thirst for righteousness is so huge. Because what happens a lot of times is, I can't do this. I'm only human. And we just chuck the whole thing. Well, I'm only human. Jesus died for me. It's okay. And we quit even hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You have to hang in with me. You have to hang in with me. I am moving. I am working. And you have to grasp what I'm doing. And we do have to move towards holiness. But it's not about you being holy. Because guess what? God is the only one who is holy. Holiness is a divine attribute that none of us can attain to. None of us. It has to be given to us. And he says, what I want more than anything else is your attention and love. That's what I want. I want you grounded in me. Locked in. Remember John 15? Abide in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit. Remember that? It's his heart for you and I. And the thing is, reconciliation, salvation, just simply paved the way for us to now be in His presence. Y'all catch that? It paved the way for us to have this love relationship with Him up close and personal where He is changing us from glory to glory to glory just like He did Moses with the tabernacle. This is what Christianity is all about. A Jesus who wants to be in a love relationship with you, changing you, because you're grounded and rock solid in him. <clears throat> As we sit and think for just a minute about that, right? Is there anything that's on your heart? Like is God calling your attention to anything specific? Here's what I'm going to do this morning. We're going to sing a closing hymn. Right? And then feel free to come to the altar if you if God has put his finger on something that he, he, he wants to deal with in your life. Or if it's just man, God, I'm I'm so glad you brought me back to to this idea of a love relationship with you because I've been getting so hung up in all the performance-minded law-keeping. And and I'm I'm so glad you brought me back to this idea. If you want to thank him for something, the altar's open. But what I'm going to do this morning is I'm just going to remain up here after we close in prayer. And if any of you want to come and tell me, Ernie, this is kind of what God had me thinking during this sermon. Or, Ernie, this is where I'm at, and I need you to pray for me and with me. I'm just going to stay up here, and anybody who wants to just chat for a second, I'll be up here, okay? But the altar is open while we sing.